Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. to uh, another edition of the Spurs show and another of our special lockdown shows is tonight we reveal your most important worst tragic god-awful moments you have suffered as a Spurs fan uh, I can safely say going through reliving some of these moments has made this one of the most depressing weeks of my life and trust me I've had a few uh, but anyway we we're going to do it. Hopefully, one of you out there will find it cathartic. Stay with us. Uh, let's all sort of be miserable together. Uh, firstly, joining me tonight are our are, are three guests who uh, will hopefully uh, be like a sort of group kind of psych, psych, psychology session. Hopefully, between us, like some sort of support group, we can get through it all. Returning, please welcome again Abby Summers. How are you, Abby? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Hope everyone's doing well. Yeah. How's your lockdown been? Uh, up and down. Not the greatest, but we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. it is tough, isn't it? It's, it's, I've had enough now. I mean, I didn't mind it at first. Now I've had enough. Um, also joining us, uh, regular on the show, Kevin Hills here. Hi, Kevin. Yeah. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I'm good. And how are you? Yeah, fine, thanks. Yeah. Good. Jolly good. And making his debut... The beautiful thing, and we're going to talk about his wonderful book in a moment, being that number, the comedian Carl Jones. How are you, Carl? I'm very well, thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me on. Oh, an absolute pleasure. Um, so, yeah, we're going to discuss your book, and then uh, what we'll do, listeners, we'll then go through, we'll, we'll start from 10, a bit like Top of the Pops. We'll, we'll do a 
countdown 10 down to one uh the worst tottenham moments as voted by you the listener but firstly we're, we're going to start on the up Carl, your book uh being that number uh pochettino's fi- final season at spurs through the voices of tottenham hotspur supporters clubs uh it's wonderful it's obviously a year-long memoir uh of what turned out to be the Champions League season, which no doubt we'll be talking about the final later, told through the eyes and voices of the supporters club around the world. Um, it's, it's such a lovely idea. And what I loved about the book is you, you kind of see when, when there's fans who just go to White Hart Lane and people you know go to games, you forget about all these miserable sods around the world who have to get up at three, four in the morning to watch some of these games. <laughs> and you, you kind of forget these people and just how global... Uh, the highs and lows of being a Tottenham fan are. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I I couldn't have put it better myself, really, in terms of that's really where the seed of the idea came from. It was um, obviously when we moved from White Hart Lane to Wembley, the, the, the banners all around the stadium would regularly show all of these different places. So, you know, weird and wonderful places as well, places where you wouldn't necessarily imagine there'd be Spurs fans. And I'd, I'm would i a member of Yorkshire Spurs, so I, I kind of relate to some of these fans in terms of, for me, the, the match-going experience, it's an effort, you know, on a midweek evening when you've been spanked by Bayern Munich in the Champions League and you've got work the next morning, it is it is going some. And, and I just was fascinated by this prospect that there were all these fans out there who, as you say, are either watching this in the middle of the night or planning their entire lives around Tottenham. And just they, even if they can't necessarily be there in the stadium, that that doesn't doesn't detract from their passion. And I sort of probed into that a little bit further. And that's kind of where the book was born from. Yeah. But you kind of really want to some quite obscure places uh do you want to talk about some of the sort of the traveling you had to do to go and meet some of these people yeah well i I met i met probably about half of the interviewees at 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 the ground so um so so just meeting up to sort of you know before a match and so on um yeah and, and and sort of going for a beer you know like the the group from iceland absolutely wild i mean there must have been about 30 of them and i mean top tottenham is both the heart of their trip but also it's just one great big stag do i think it was just they, they were just <laughs> such a but a phenomenal group of fans who again they're just so so passionate but at the same time i spoke to fans say for instance in garner spurs now the, the guy who runs garner spurs uh, he works for the Ghanaian dvla so every friday they have dress down friday he goes in in his spurs shirt in a you know in a, in a sea of chelsea shirts and man united shirts he's there in his Spurs shirt and uh, he's, he's so passionate and, and and like the fans in, in Ghana like they, they find it in obviously maybe on more obscure games they're not on TV over there mm. and uh, so so he runs a text commentary um, in a WhatsApp group so he sits watching the match and that is how some of those fans keep up with Spurs because wow. the internet connection is not amazing That's you know amazing. and and it is that it is literally that sort of dedication that um, I, genuinely I you know I really I, I, lo- I love because I just you know I, I get it I, I understand that um, that that connect- we all feel that connection to Spurs the, the amount that they put us through and and the, there are these fans who 
are, are just going to extreme lengths to to support to support the club. So so while you've got some fans that are season ticket holders from another country and are, are at every single game, you've also got fans that that it's their lifelong ambition just to be at a mm. game one day, mm. um, and 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 that's that you know that that will happen for them one day and it'd be the most amazing thing in their life. So so the the, the book really does cover a, a range of of stories like that. Fifteen different supporters clubs I speak to around the world. Mm. I mean, the other thing has to be said, the club itself have done a wonderful job with bringing these these supporters clubs in. I mean, at the end of the book, there's a sort of supporters club awards uh, where, you know, some of the players go and meet some of these people. The club, in fairness, have done a great job here, haven't they? They they really have. And, and I think, um, you know, they've they've really supported um these clubs at a grassroots level and and these clubs in in some of the more obscure outposts are doing amazing work very organically and kind of bringing spurs fans all around the world together and you know i think i think the club are they've done they've done things like like the supporters event that you mentioned and i mean i went along to that event and it was absolutely phenomenal there were fans from all around the world who'd come in it was the day before the everton game the last game of last season at which point which i think was like the the sunday or something saturday after um, after the second leg against Ajax, which so I mean everyone was still hung over seventy two hours later, never mind anything else, and, <laughs> and 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 just hearing sort of the weird and wonderful stories of how people had had experienced that event, um, it w- was 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 phenomenal in itself. So they they do put on events like that. They do make sure that the supporters clubs are looked after. They they you know the 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 area of the website is really interesting actually that they it's growing and they're putting these kind of stories up up on that and it's really worth looking into um and, and and yeah from from a commercial point of view it makes a lot of sense for the club because you know th- these these are fans in sort of diverse areas of the world where it, having outreach i suppose on a commercial level is quite difficult and they've got these people on the ground who are who are, who are doing that work as well so so yeah they but credit where it's due to the club absolutely there's one story in the book but um i, I don't know what remind me where it was some in North America, where Daniel Levy had done some deal there, and everyone there was getting free drinks on Daniel Levy or something, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so this one absolutely blew my mind. It was Canada Spurs, wow. and um, it was around about the time. Um, so obviously the North American tour, which I, I'm, from memory, I, I think was about 2014, something like that, when um, when Spurs went out there pre-season and they did a match in in Canada. And it was around about the time when Defoe uh, went went out for the MLS as well. Mm. Which which they concede, you know, they they think that that was one of the main reasons, obviously, why Spurs went to Canada to to um, see to see those fans out there, and for for the membership, which those fans were paying something like, say, the equivalent of fifty pounds a year, they were pretty much getting drinks vouchers and food vouchers, uh, because Spurs struck a deal with a local network operator out there, and they just turned this pub into a Spurs pub, so. For that season, season and a half, if you were a Spurs fan out in Canada, I mean, it was it you were absolutely laughing. You were drinking pitchers on the club and and eating eating food for free, while you know, hopefully, seen as win on the pitch. And it was those those kind of things again that that kind of commercial sense that you see of, of the club because the North America the North American market, for one mm. of a better word, um, is one that's grown hugely, and and Spurs have done a lot of work in that area. We've got loads of fans out there, but that's not to say as well that they some of those fans have been fans for 30 40 years you know that there's 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 plenty of fans out there who are hardcore who used to get up in the middle of the night and buy a newspaper at 3 a.m because that was the only way to find out how spurs had gone on you know so mm. um so there, there's a real mix out there but 
Um, I've experienced that myself. I went out to watch a game with LA Spurs, I think a couple of seasons ago when we beat Liverpool 4-1 at Wembley. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in I was in LA. And as you probably pick up from the book, I do uh, often incorporate Spurs into holidays. Like I, I, I just can't miss a game. I just don't. <laughs> I just I just can't bring myself to miss a game. It doesn't really matter what what's going on. So uh, we got up at seven a.m. on a Sunday morning in LA, which my wife was absolutely thrilled about, and uh, drove drove half an hour to this bar, this kind of nondescript bar from the outside, and you got inside, and it's just a sea of Spurs. There are flags and scarves everywhere. Every one there's 200 people in there all Spurs nuts and to sit there eating breakfast watching Spurs spank Liverpool 4-1 um, and I phoned my dad at half time because he was at the match with my son and it's like 25 degrees on an October morning in LA like like you've got a sweat on and he's like we, we, we're going to go back inside we need to we need to get a hot chocolate it's freezing you know so it was like it wasn't a bad place to be watching yeah. Spurs beat Liverpool as much as I'd have liked to have been in the stadium for that match yeah, I mean, you mentioned it there. The other thing with the book, obviously, it was a, what a what a season that it's the Champions League season that you covered. But the other thing in the book is your life and, and you going to all these games and dragging your young family <laughs> along, or doing deals with your wife, and just <laughs> look, look. We all, all of us listening, have got this Tottenham obsession, but you really have had to really sacrifice things. Yeah, and and you know sometimes I don't necessarily realise it until I say it out loud and verbalise it to people. So I would say I've got a very understanding wife, and the book's dedicated to my family and all of the kind of. I mean, the Champions League final is a perfect example. We'd we'd booked to go on holiday to Brittany because perhaps un, somewhat unsurprisingly, uh, I don't tend to book my holidays around anticipating that Spurs are going to make a Champions League final. So all, all of a sudden, when we got there, I realised obviously all of these you know all the travel chaos that was going on and all the flights and hotels and I kind of thought well I'm in Brittany and I was trying to get hold of a ticket but I thought well the worst thing I I can get a train or I can get in the car so what I basically did uh, was get in the car at sort of 6am on the Friday before the Champions League final on the Saturday and drive to Madrid. And I mean, as I say, I, even now I say it out loud and it sounds ridiculous, but I know plenty of people did did similarly uh, ridiculous things. And um, yeah, I've got an understanding wife, let's put it that way, for me to be able to leave the family the other day for 48 hours to to drive and, and watch Spurs uh, lose a Champions League final. Um, but it, I'm an observational comedian, so... I, I tend to just find that situations I'm in, stuff seems to happen to me, and there's quite a few of those in the book that are all, you know, absolutely 100% true. It's just, it's just how it how how it works. But uh, yeah, I, I have been known to go to extreme lengths for for Tottenham. Well, it's a wonderful book out there. Go and get it. Being that number by Carl Jones, and the latest uh, updated edition has uh, an updated final chapter about Mourinho joining. Um, It's available on Amazon uh, and the link to it will be on the description uh, of this podcast so you can click later and just go and get that especially in lockdown. I read it in one sitting it's well worth it. Thanks Carl, it's uh, really fantastic. Thank you Mike, much appreciated. A pleasure. Well look, let's have a quick break and when we come back we'll be going through the top 10 worst Tottenham moments. See you in a minute. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, 
Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. So we are back after the break. Just to remind people, um, we uh, please join our Patreon site, patreon.com slash Spurs show. Get additional premium Spurs show content, including a daily Spurs new show, interviews with ex-players and much, much more. It's a wonderful documentary series. Pete Haynes done a new one about superstition in football. Uh, Willie Morgan, much more. I think it works out at like 40 pence a week. Well, well worth it. Uh, and also lots of bonus content. Patreon.com slash Spurs show. Right, let's start now with your top 10, as voted by you, the listener. Your top 10 worst moments. Uh, before we start, just a few mentions of games that didn't quite get in, but did get a lot of votes. Port Vale away. Uh, we lost, I think it was 3-0. Newcastle away, 7-1 under Joe Francis. 6-1 defeat at home uh, under Christian Gross. Arsenal winning the title there in 1971. Uh, the Derby match in the FA Cup 1973 when we were 3-1 up and lost 5-3. And a couple of you mentioned, not actual games, but moments. Fabrice Mwamba uh, collapsing on a pitch at White Hart Lane. One of the worst moments. And also just generally leaving the old stadium. A lot of you just voted for... I never wanted to leave the old stadium. So there we go. But here's your top 10 uh, worst games, as it were. Starting at number 10, the defeat in the FA Cup at home at White Hart Lane, 4-3 to Manchester City after being 3-0 up. Kev, your, your memories of that result, that game? Yeah, so I was there, Mike, and uh, I can remember Macken having a, a, a good game second half for them. But up until the break, we were by far the better team. Um, and it was just so Spursy being three up, and and they were down to ten men, if I recall, and and three one, three two, three three. You you, you thought no, surely, surely, even Spurs, not going to happen. But of course it did, and uh, yeah, there we are. But uh, one thing I must say, Mike, just looking at the list of ten, there was only one game that I didn't attend, and that was Bayern v Chelsea. Oh. So I'm not give it away, but there we are. But right. yeah, I know, I know. None of us are that one. Uh, Abby, I'm guessing you were probably what ten years old uh, when there was this game. But just to remind you, <laughs> we were three 0 up. Uh, King, Keen, and Ziga. Uh, Joey Barton was sent off for descent. Uh, Nicholas and Elper limped off. I mean, you could only see one result, and yet this is probably the the real beginning of that awful term, Spursy, really. Well, yes, I was 10. And, um, I, Amazing. I do... How did I know that? <laughs> I, good guess. Um, I do remember it vaguely, but I don't remember. I obviously wasn't there, um, probably being a school night. Um, but like um, like we kind of discussed earlier a little bit, that it just kind of put you in good stead to know exactly what you were dealing with as a kid and who you were supporting. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it's just like, like, like Kevin said, it's just typical Tottenham, typical Spursy. Even if, you know, you're playing, unbelievable football the game is genuinely never over with us until that final whistle goes 
because I've learned that in my entire life supporting Tottenham. Um, so, I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me that one's made the list. Um, quite happy I don't have um, that good memories of it. That's good. Don't bother <laughs> to watch it back. It really is. I awful. won't. <laughs> really don't. Um, Carl, I mean, I mean, Kevin mentioned that John Macken was a player that I'd never heard of before. Haven't heard of since. He literally he came on. He must have come on when Anelka came off. It was his one moment in the sun, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was like, like looping header in the final minutes, wasn't yes. it? And it was, yeah. um, and and I mean, I Spurs were unbelievable in that first half, and and I've 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 since watched it back because I have this game on DVD, and the reason oh, for nice. that is because uh, Man City released this as a DVD, despite Spurs getting criticism for releasing DVDs of matches. Man City uh, released this. The only reason I've got it is I was at university at the time, and uh, I got it as a Christmas present from my Arsenal supporting <laughs> flatmate. So um, so I have I have. I've never brought myself to watch the second half back again, but that first half we were unbelievable. And how how could we let that go? Uh, I'd, I'd only pick up with Kevin so saying you know that um, couldn't couldn't see it happening. I'm pretty sure I remember at three three going well. This is inevitable now. You know what I mean? It was just because they they just have just find new ways to uh, torment us. So yeah, un- unbelievable really. Yeah. Well, finally uh, next one in at number nine. A game I remember. Literally like it was yesterday, December the 23rd, 1978, I was 11 years old. You know, that, that age when you're just football, is everything is everything to you when you're that kind of age. And we went, uh, went to White Hart Lane and we watched Arsenal, who didn't, weren't even a great team that year. I think they finished sixth, we finished 10th or 11th. But we, and this is, we had Hoddle in the team, Peter Taylor, Perman. We lost 5-0 to Arsenal. Um, there was one great goal from Liam Brady. Um, I'm guessing, again, Abby and Carl are a bit too young. Uh, to yeah. But, Kevin, you must remember this one, didn't you? Yeah, I was in the enclosure for that game. I remember it very well. Uh, it was the Liam Brady goal that, that obviously, they keep rerunning uh, whenever yeah. a Spurs-Arsenal derby coming up. Um and, of course, we had Mark Kendall in goal at the time, who was right. quite yeah. partial to um, probably a, a Greg's donut at the time. Uh, <laughs> absolutely nowhere near it. He turned around and just watched it hit the stanchion at the back. Uh, but that's the one they keep keep replaying. And, of course, the match of the day commentary uh, that goes with it. And uh, I can remember towards the end of the, the, the game, uh, the stadium, the 42,000 crowd, if I remember, but the stadium was half empty uh, by the time they got the fifth goal. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's worthy of the top ten, that one. No, it, it certainly was. I, I, I remember crying all the way home. It was just utter humiliation. It really was. I mean, to lose to the scum at any time. But when you lose that badly, Against not it, it wasn't like it was the Invincibles. It was just a really pedestrian <laughs> Arsenal side that beat us. That's what made it far, far worse. Yeah. In at number eight, uh, again, again another, oh God, another comeback. Two thousand and one, Manchester United leading. We're leading three 0 at half time under Glenn Hoddle. We lost five three. Carl, you must remember that. Yeah, and and um, I think the thing I, I actually. You mentioned this in in the book actually, and says it being Dean Richards' debut, wasn't it? I think because yes. I think he scored as well in the first uh, in the sort of first fifteen minutes. And again, it was another like unbelievable forty five minutes from Tottenham because that was a 
you know, a really, really fantastic Man United team. They were almost just about at the peak of their powers, I think, maybe just slightly over the hill from that. And there, there were Spurs. Um, you know, we just, we just, uh, shall we say, let let Campbell go, and uh, you know, and um, and brought in Dean Richards. And all of a sudden, you think this this amazing sort of graceful, big, strong defender who's powering in headers from a corner uh, is the ready-made replacement. And here we are, world beaters for forty-five minutes. And as ever, by sort of ten to five. Um, we're all in tears again. It was the only time in a game um, I got quite a few Man United mates. I'll never forget at half time, I'm in the West stand getting a coffee. I, I remember texting my United mate something like Massacre at the Lane. And it was the last time I've ever texted anyone, a rival fan, during a game. Because, you know, you could not see it. As she said, we were absolutely tremendous in that first half. It's worth watching the first half because we were brilliant. And then it was Carl Blanc, Van Nistelrooy, Veron, who never scored. <laughs> Veron for there, and then Beckham at the end. It was oh, it was god awful. Number seven, uh, the only game on the list that wasn't even a Spurs game. Abby, 2012, Bayern Munich versus Chelsea, the Champions League final, which meant that although we finished fourth because Chelsea finished sixth that season. Then when the Champions League meant we missed out on the Champions League. What's your memories of that, watching that game? I remember standing in my friend's living room. I remember watching it with uh, one one other Tottenham fan, two Arsenal fans and one Chelsea fan that obviously couldn't go to the game. And I remember sobbing. I just remember, could not believe that Germans had lost on penalties. I just couldn't believe it. (laughs) And that's the whole situation. I just... When it, when it went to penalties, I remember thinking, no worries here. There's no chance. There's, there's no chance. And I just remember after it crying, crying. And like both, like the Arsenal fans were just sitting there just in hysterical laughter at the fact that me and my oh. mate were sitting there just crying about it. And it just, it just was one of those things that was just so spursy. Like it just wouldn't happen to, an, it just wouldn't happen to anyone else. It just so doesn't I remember that one very well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Kevin, to give it to give to give the game some context, um, because we finished five points ahead of Chelsea in the league, which was Harry Radnep's last season. We all kind of remember early that season, February the eleventh, uh, the transfer window being and gone. We brought in Sahar and Nelson. We thrashed Newcastle United five 0 We're all chanting, "Harry, we want you to stay." It was all wonderful, and then. One win in the last nine games that season. We finished 20 points off the champions, Manchester City. Harry obviously was sacked. I mean, there was a falling out. You know, he wanted his contract renewed. I mean, it was so Tottenham to go from the highs of that Newcastle United game to ending up sitting at home going, well, Chelsea can't win this. And I think the actual game, Robin, Robin missed a penalty uh, for Bayern in the game as well. Chelsea were awful. Bayern were all over them. You yeah. couldn't believe the chances they were missing. No, that, that, that's true. I, I mean, our, our running, and I'd rather forget that and, and concentrate <laughs> on Chelsea couldn't remember. And we finished fourth, didn't we? But uh, I was away um, uh, in Norfolk with... Um, our, our good friends next door next door neighbours actually but he's a Chelsea fan oh god we had this barn and we had a really great weekend and to be honest with you I was quite confident going into the game would you believe um, watching it with the Chelsea fan wasn't easy he decided in the 86th minute he was going to go to the toilet so off off he trotted and I was sitting there sort of uh, come on ref blow blow come on blow 
And uh, of course, he didn't. And the minute my pal walked back into the room, they scored. And mm. I just just could not believe it because, you know, it, it just seems so unfair, this. It, it, you know, you finished after 38 games, sixth or fourth. And it, it could only happen to us. Yeah, I mean, Carl, we were five, five points ahead of Chelsea in the league that season. Yeah. And, and and I think there's a there's another sort of cruel sliding doors twist of fate here that um, on that final day Arsenal finished above us and Arsenal beat West Brom three two on the final day they were losing to West Brom and in goal for West Brom was ex Spurs keeper Martin Fullop who's sadly another yeah. another player who's uh, who who, who uh, died died an untimely death and and if you go back and watch that game the fact it was an ex Spurs keeper who who made a real hash in goal that meant this would have happened to Arsenal. And I think, I think this is kind of the beauty of, of this list is that it's not a superficial thing. What happens to Spurs when, when things go wrong, there are layers to it that you can just keep unfolding. I mean, just that the Germans losing on penalties, that to me, that not even crossed my mind, but the Germans don't lose on penalties. And then that happened. So, it, it, it just whenever Spurs are involved, there are just, it's like an onion. I was and just also... going to say that. <laughs> it's just like yeah. an onion. <laughs> just, just horrible, horrible moment in our history. Here's another horrible moment in our history. In at number six, now known as Lasagna Gate, oh. the end of the 2005-2006 season. Uh, I mean, my own memory of this, obviously just from my listeners, we went to the last game of the season. We had to match Arsenal's score. It was their last game at Highbury. They're at home to Wigan. All we had to do was match them. We went to our big rivals, West Ham. And my memory of this game, I'd gone with a lot of Spurs mates and West Ham mates to Canary Wharf in a hotel. We were having dinner. And it turned out we were in the hotel where the Arsenal players were staying before their game. Uh, Spurs were staying in another hotel, which I heard Subsequently, it was very unusual to Spurs for any London away game to stay in a hotel, but they decided, big game, they did it. So when we were sitting there having a very, very boozy lunch, as you can imagine, some word was starting to get text messages, game could be called off, Spurs sick, ill, and we're like, what, what? So Spurs was like, what's going to be called off? It's going to be called off. And I went out to the foyer and I saw Arsene Wenger and Pat Rice, and I, I'd had a few, admittedly, and I went up and said, we heard the news, and they hadn't. And I said, games will be called off. Spurs games will be called off. And they both ran started making calls. I assumed to David Dean, who obviously knows on the FA board. And the story goes that we were told, no, you can't cancel it. You might be able to delay the kickoff. We tried to delay the kickoff. It was a 3 p.m. kickoff to 7. The police said, no way. There's so many fans drinking in the bars. No way you can delay it. You can delay it till five o'clock. And then Spurs decided, okay, um, we'll play the game. Ten players were sick overnight. The only players weren't sick were Paul Robinson, Steve, uh, Stephen Kelly, Anthony Gardner, and Jermaine Defoe. All of them were vomiting all night. Um, and the game itself, uh, Kev, if you remember, um, Robinson saved a penalty. Defoe equalised. We kind of did pretty well. And Arsenal were losing at one stage at Highbury in that in that last game. Yeah. And we lost by the, by the odd goal, didn't we? The, the actual game. But Two I, one, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I must say, though, I, I, I can't remember anything about the, about the game. I was just so brassed off. 
convoy of pals going down the A12 or something when this came on the radio. And, of course, we were texting each other, ringing each other from the convoy of cars. And, uh, oh, my God, to, to, to think that, um, you know, we were going to go into that game. I mean, it didn't help playing West Ham either, did it, really? No. They always raised their game for us anyway. Uh, absolutely. I mean, Abby, you, you, I'm working this out now. You were about <laughs> seven. <laughs> seven. So you won't have, thankfully, you're very, very lucky. With a lot of you just, I've just worked out a lot of these games on the list. You were too young to go through some of these moments. <laughs> I know, but I have no doubt they'll be far more disappointed in my future. So <laughs> a, a, lot, a lot of them I don't remember, some of the ones that have come up in this list, and some of them I remember bits and pieces of. I do remember this game. I actually, I remember obviously not going. I was too young. I don't think my dad let me go to away games at that point. Especially um, yeah, yeah, especially West Ham. Um, but I do remember it, and I remember my dad um, calling my mum. I remember being with my mum and him calling and being like, I just, I just have no words as to what's happened, as what's happening. And my mum was going, "Are you all right? Are you all right?" He was like, "No, I'm not all right," because it's just, there's just always something with Tottenham. If it's just the most simple, straightforward thing to do, go there, win the game. Bob's uncle, it's, it's never, it's never the case. So I do remember, I remember exactly the word my mum saying. They're all, they've all got food poisoning, and like, and since then, and it's a true story. I've never eaten lasagna. Okay? True, true story. My mum, my mum tells me I'm pathetic often she says it's ridiculous and i say i just will never eat lasagna because it's just it just doesn't feel right to me i mean <laughs> enough, Carl, enough, Carl, it, it, once the test came out we, we realized now it wasn't even the lasagna was it the lasagna was then tested it was some uh, novo virus maybe the water the, the bottled water the water they took to this day no one quite knows what happened I mean, again, going back to this example of just there just being layers to this. Firstly, of all the players you mentioned who weren't sick, Paul Robinson, the only player who doesn't have to run around the pitch, he's fine and dandy. So he doesn't need the stamina to play 90 minutes against West Ham. And 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 you being in the hotel with them, Mike, there's another parallel universe here where you fought food poisoned Arsenal Football Club and we were in the Champions League, you know, four or five years earlier. But I, I think the thing that I find most painful about this game is that only a couple of years before you you know, I, I remember the, the the game where we lost to them 5-4. You know, we were still having ding-dongs with them, even though they were probably only a couple of seasons away from their unbeaten season and we were we were practically fighting relegation. And that season, Yoll had turned us around to such a point where we went to Highbury, the kind of nose-to-nose of Yoll and Wenger. And, yeah. you know, there, there we were right on the final day of the season where a kind of a 30-35 point turnaround from a couple of years before, we had the opportunity to bump them out of the Champions League. And to, for it to happen at West um, with food poisoning and just that again just that entire circumstance that for me I think was one what that that was probably close to number one for me because I just think you know I, I just remember seeing the footage as well afterwards of Roger Daltrey singing um singing Highbury Highs because it was their final game not knowing he was a gooner and the who have been oh. ruined much like lasagna with Abby I can't listen to the who the same way now I know that he's a gooner <laughs> Just, I mean, it's just other... tainted. It's completely tainted. <laughs> I mean, completely. You mentioned that because you're right. A few weeks before we'd gone to Highbury, uh, and a win would have literally put us out of sight. And my moment of that game, we, we were brilliant. We were one nil up, and then Paul Stalteri, all he had to do was kick the ball off for a throw, and he tried to kind of shield the ball out and. Terry Omri got his foot to it, went round him, ran on and scored. It was just so frustrating. 
these, these moments of Spurs fans. Look, he had his Jek- number five, gone. He had his and Hyde moments, didn't he, Paul Solteri? Obviously, we all remember West Ham, but I mean, West there were a few, yeah. there were a few stinkers in there as well. Yeah. Well, the next one. One, and I'm thinking, Carl, you might have been too young. Certainly, Abby was probably not even born. Uh, Kev, we'll start with you, because you certainly were. Uh, 1987 FA Cup final. First time Tottenham Hotspur ever lost a Wembley final to the underdogs, Coventry City. Yeah, and that was a record we were so proud of yeah. for that game. And I, I don't know whether it was a case. I think it definitely was a case of the players, the supporters, everyone around the club almost felt we just got to turn up to win the game. And um, I hadn't seen it replayed, but I did put myself through it the other side. Wow. So did I. Oh, wow. The best thing about that was that I didn't know the score. So I'd started it and I thought, oh, we're in for a win here. Might see us actually win something. (laughs) (laughs) I also also went back to watch it. And um, while I was watching it, a pop-up ad came up on YouTube for the Tottenham 3 for 2 sale. They've even managed to monetize our misery. And that's what I absolutely (laughs) love, that going back and 3 for 2 sale. But yeah, it was a little bit before before my time. But I I did grow up knowing it was the only FA Cup final we'd lost, as, as Kev says, that proud record that we got and uh, and that that being the one because I mean it looks a great team on paper and, and Coventry being the underdogs but but yeah miserable and how did that 87 team come away from that season winning nothing well mm. we'll come we'll come to another game in a minute uh, I mentioned there we hadn't lost at Wembley we'd obviously lost in the 82 League Cup final but we hadn't lost the FA Cup final at that stage and it was such a great side and I think that that's where Spurs, certainly one of our Spurs shows sort of catchphrases of too early came in because Clive Allen scored after yeah. a couple of minutes. He just thought there's only been one team that's going to win this, but, uh, Oh, God, anyway, and in at number four, it was for the same year. Um, uh, and, and to me was the moment there was a power shift from kind of Tottenham generally to Arsenal, uh, for many, many years, it was the little Woods cup semifinals, uh, against, the scum. Uh, we won the first leg at Highbury, 1-0 with Clive Allen. At White Hart Lane, we went a goal up. Clive Allen, we were now 2-0 up at aggregate. Uh, Arsenal came back to win 2-1. A replay, we uh, tossed a coin. We won the uh, toss. Back to White Hart Lane again. Again, we went 1-0 up with uh, Clive Allen. And then two goals from Ian Allison and a deflection from Rowcastle onto Clements' body. Just, just awful. I mean, Kev, uh, this to me is one of the worst moments of my Spurs life. Well, I agree with you totally, Mike. And to me, that, in my opinion, is number one. Because, firstly, I had to take a Guna friend of mine to the match. And, sadly, I had to bring him home as well. (laughs) (laughs) He's not one of these Gooners. He knows who he is, by the way. He is not one of these gooners that can just keep it buttoned. He has to give it full throttle. Oh. And can't take it back, by the way. Um, but that, that's another subject. But no, three games in, and I can remember thinking they probably had 10 minutes, and those were the last 10 minutes yeah. of the third game. Yeah. And, and you know, Clive scored in, in, in all three games. We were superior, and it, it, it just. Honestly, it, it was ridiculous, and that one hurts to this day. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched. I'd never watched it back until this week. I watched them back, thirty-two years on, and again, I, I was right. The, my memory was right. 
Clive Allen missed two great chances for us to effectively go three one up, uh, three nil up in the tie. Uh, he missed a one on one, and then in the, in the second leg, Viv Anderson it was a deflected goal. Niall Quinn, who was this young player, uh, far post. It was just, and Arsenal had the all, all of the park lane as well. Uh, sorry, the, yeah, all of the uh, park lane as well, which made it worse. They're midweek games under the floodlights, amazing atmosphere, and even Arsenal. They, their fans, they they started a whole fanzine called One Nil Down, Two One Up, signifying yes. this game. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, Abby and Carl, you probably never even watched this game, have you? No, and I don't think after after how you've sold it, I don't think I will. <laughs> I, 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 I must I must admit that, that this was some misery that yeah that had passed me by. But again, releasing a fanzine in 1987 is like the 2000 version of releasing a DVD of it, isn't yeah. it? So we can we can yeah. we can take we can take the moral high ground on that one. I didn't yeah, even well, know what a fanzine was. Well, it was yeah, awful, awful moment. And now your top three. Uh, in at number three uh, is the oh god, god, just the memories. The FA Cup semi-final defeat to Everton in 1995 at Ellen Road, when a wonderful Tottenham team with Klinsman and Sheringham had gone to. A- Anfield and beaten Liverpool we then, in, the, in the quarterfinal. We then played Everton at Ellen Road and we lost four goals to one. Carl, uh, your memories of that? So this, for me, I was nine years old. And um, again, this brings it back to the theme almost of being on holiday and watching Tottenham and probably where I get it from because we were in the Algarve. And um, I, all I remember is chasing my dad because we were desperately trying to find a pub with a with the FA Cup semi-final on, my, my dad would sort of, uh, you know, socks, sandals and bum bag chasing from tavern <laughs> to tavern and me just behind him. And uh, we managed to find this pub. Uh, I can still remember it, like, with a, with a satellite dish that looked, look capable of getting alien contact on it and uh, and Spurs were already one nil down by the time we got in there and of course you know as a, as a you know I, I look now at my son's 11 and and the, the Champions League run and everything and how he experienced that and I kind of remember that of that you know you, you you're just getting into football you're just kind of getting this identity of Tottenham and what it means and and again losing 4-1 uh, in, in an FA Cup semi-final um, is it, just because earlier that season I've been to my first game which was was three nil defeat to Notts County, so I was really oh, God, again. I, well. <laughs> I, was, I was I was starting to get the flavour of this character building um, thing that was being a Tottenham fan already at that point, and already I was completely intoxicated. So what what can we say if we, we suck us for punishment if we keep going back to it? Kev, I mean, this was a season that we really thought our name was on the cup. I remember it was a one o'clock kickoff at Ellen Road, so you kind of everyone left, you know. London around sort of 7 a.m. It was one of those drives up there, stopping off. And and again, they, I, they, I remember the allocation of tickets. I don't know how they've done it. Everton had like three, three rounds yeah. to one to our one end. It was just, yeah. I mean, it was just everything went wrong that day, didn't it? It did. We, we had the, the the big side, didn't we? Which was their their new stand, as it as it was. But uh, now for me, it just stands out as the uh, horse dung semi. <laughs> I don't remember this, <laughs> but, but they, they somehow they put horse dung on the pitch. It was blowing as well. It must have been blowing towards our side as well. <laughs> <laughs> was losing four one. I, uh, you know, I've never, never, ever experienced uh, a smell quite like it at a football ground. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god, that's very funny. Oh dear, no, it was. Uh, it, 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 yeah, it was awful. Uh, number two now. I mean. For- that number three is interesting because your number two was all the other FA Cup defeats. Well, obviously, we've lost eight FA Cup semifinals in a row. Uh, I know we lost two, two in a row in the 50s, but the ni- number three, was that was voted so much. But um, as well as that 95 semifinal defeat, uh, let's just run you through. There, there was the 1999 Newcastle game at Old Trafford. Uh, lost 2-0. 2001. Uh, 2001, sorry, 2000, yeah, 2001 semi-final against Arsenal, 2003, uh, sorry, 95, sorry, I'm getting mixed up now, there was the 95 one, 2001 Arsenal Hoddle's first game, we lost 2-1 after taking Portsmouth 2010, uh, lost 2-0, Chelsea 2012, we lost 5-1, which I have absolutely no memory of, I've erased that game from my brain entirely, (laughs) 2017 Chelsea 4-2. I mean, we'll talk about that one in a minute. And then Man United 2018 2-1. Kev, we'll start with you because you're probably the oldest. The Newcastle 1999, if you remember, uh, they had a blatant penalty not given to us. And then Dabidas, I think it was, handled the ball. The ref didn't see it. And then Sol Campbell handled it. And that one was seen. And we lost 2-0 to Newcastle. That's right. That's right. I, I, I vaguely remember that. I can remember... Newcastle having the top tier of the Alex Ferguson stand and I can remember watching it as the Geordies were jumping up and down and the, the top tier was actually swaying from side to side. Um, but that was a yet another game where we went in as favourites and, and, you know, you, you, you sort of think, it's a, yeah, it's got to be a matter of turning up this and, and, you know, again, on the day, we didn't play well. You know, mm. so many of these semi-defeats that you've just mentioned and and we really you know, we struggled most of them to to get a performance out of our eleven. It's you know it's unbelievable to how it, how it once was you know and, um, and reaching finals and expecting to go on and win finals. But you know we've now got into this rut of you know of, of semi final heartache. Yeah, well, I mean, and also very quick the two thousand one game, Hoddle's first game. Uh, Dirty scored. We, I mean, I mean, this is the most one-sided semi-final I've ever seen. Arsenal battered us, and we only lost two-one. Uh, yeah. They were on paper much, much better team. Vieira, Perez. Let's skirt over that one. Abby, do you remember the 2010 one? Portsmouth. I think they got relegated that season. Yeah. Uh, again, we showed up at Wembley thinking it's Portsmouth. Here we go, <laughs> and we were dreadful. Oh, I remember we were dreadful. I don't even remember much of the game, but I, th- that's how poor, that, how poor it was. I think with us, we have this mentality where it's, n- it's not a very good one because if we if we get drawn against a team like Portsmouth and you think to yourself, oh, well, it's only Portsmouth, they don't turn up. Then if it's a bigger team like a Chelsea or United or something like that, we, we tend to play well for, I'd say, 45 to 60 minutes and then mm-hmm. the last 30 minutes kind of drop out. So I'm trying to see if there'll ever be a team where we're actually consistent throughout a full <laughs> 90 minutes of the spectrum. But I do remember that Portsmouth one and I remember it just... I like I like a lot of them. I don't remember it fondly. I don't remember it well. And luckily, I've obviously got a terrible memory because I hardly remember anything that happened in that game well, either. I, I mean, Carl, this was the only semi-final I actually think was tempered because we then had Arsenal at home, Chelsea at home, Man City away to reach the Champions League. And we won all those games. So in fairness, mm-hmm. you, you know, I'm, I'm sure we all would have thrown that game in hindsight 
to, to end up where we did end up. But the next one, on the 2012, I have no memory of any of the game. 5-1 to Chelsea. I, I generally don't remember it. And it was only eight years ago. I mean, wasn't there? Wasn't that the one where there was the ball either? I think didn't quite go over the line, or there, there was something with yes. Gomez and the line, and and we, basically we fell apart. I think I think we were in it until like the last ten fifteen minutes, as I recall, and then fell apart, and they they absolutely destroyed us. But again, there was just that kind of turning point somewhere somewhere in that game um, that, that then then became a humiliation because, as I remember, I think that was a pretty a pretty decent Chelsea team, which which is which you know makes the times when we were the favourites all the more painful like against Portsmouth in 2010 when I think we kind of you know it would be wrong as a Spurs fan to say we thought we were through but that was a really a really good Spurs side that went on to finish fourth against the diabolical Portsmouth team and and still we somehow messed it up but yeah I guess I guess they redeemed themselves but but it would have been nice you know when we when we go back to 1995 of that proud that was only four years since we'd been in an FA Cup final I've still never seen Tottenham in an FA Cup final having supported them for 20 six years which is you know I'm just astounding really when you think about it the size and stature of the club and and this this run of eight eight semis is just is just ridiculous when you when you when you lay it out like this it is Kev do you do you have any memories of that 2012 game because I I really don't remember anything about it I'm just the same as you as uh uh Carl's just mentioned that that um you know the ball over the line was it Mm. wasn't it that that, that's about all I remember I think Literally, I've, I've erased my memory from it because at that time Chelsea were really strong, weren't they? And, mm. and uh, you know, it, it was it was our big bogey team. It probably is to uh, to a certain extent, but uh, now I think that 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 one again. There's there's so many of those semis now that I, you know. It would, it, when I was growing up, the semi final day was like like the FA Cup final day. It was massive. And uh, again, mm. Paul, you just mentioned you've not seen an FA Cup winning Spurs side. Yeah. Well, you know, in 1991, we were so proud, and Mike would back me up on this. We we were the all-time, uh, you know, mm. best winners eight times. Yeah, one seven, yeah, yeah. And Arsenal yeah. an FA Cup side. Mm. No. Now all of a sudden, after Wenger, 20 odd years of Wenger, you know, they've won it most. And 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 you know, trust me, they were not um, they were not a cup team. Better than but. That's how Wenger turned their club over. And, of course, they were so grateful at the end, their fans, weren't they? <laughs> Very true. Um, Abby, do you remember the uh, 2017 4-2? I remember going to the game and hearing that Costa and Hazard were on the bench. And I thought, oh, oh, we've got, oh, we've got a chance now. And then William, who always scores against us, I think scored after like four minutes. Then we equalised with Kane, yep. stooping header. And then Hummins' son gave away a penalty. We're behind again. Then Delhi scored. And then Hazard came on and scored. And then, <laughs> and then Matic with a, 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 a wonderful goal. And again, so near and yet so far for Tottenham. I um, I remember I, I actually got quite lucky. I was on holiday for two years in a row over over those two fixtures, just oh, completely by chance. Well, I was happy in the end because it meant I got to get up and, you know, go outside and whatever and get on with my day and not wallow so much. But I remember sitting um, I remember sitting in the in the bar in Dubai watching it. And I remember one of my best friends was with me and she'd never experienced me before, obviously watching football. And she was like, she was scared. She didn't actually know what to do with herself. And I remember she was like, she was like, I just experienced every possible emotion with you that you could possibly go through in a a game. And um, I remember it's it's, it's the same as always. You know, I actually remember I thought we played quite well that game from memory. I don't think we, uh, we particularly played too badly. 
Um, but it's just one of those things where you think it's in reach, you get your foot back in it, and then something happens. And then I feel like I feel like when teams tend to go ahead with us, there's uh, there's something mentally that changes with us in those big games. And I think that there's usually one or two chances where it can go either way. And obviously last season in, in, in the Champions League run, it, that things did go our way that usually wouldn't have gone our way in those big semifinals and quarterfinals and things like that. Yeah. And I particularly remember in that game that from when Hazard came on, something just kind of changed and the momentum swung and you just, you just couldn't get it in that game and it was frustrating because I remember I, I remember that we'd, we'd played well and I think it's always mm. harder in a way it's harder to lose something when you've actually played well and you've deserved to win it if that makes sense and then the other team takes it from you but then again if you're that good you'd, you'd win the game wouldn't you <laughs> well you're right about play, you're right about playing well the following season uh, we played a team that were not good uh, but we were really poor 2000 18 uh, Man United 2-1. Carl, do you remember this one? Yeah, um, for, for a few reasons. Firstly, um, again, maybe a bad omen, but um, I actually, outside uh, the ground, I bumped into Claudio Ranieri. Absolutely, you know, we, we'd gone through security and then Claudio Ranieri was walking through Wembley and I kind of went... Oh, you know, hello. And, you know, the guy who'd taken our best chance of a title win away from us in half a century, seeing him, I, I did reflect on that afterwards and think maybe that wasn't the best, uh, <laughs> the best omen. Um, and I think the thing I remember about this game, there's a couple of things, really. I mean, um, I, I, Delhi scored relatively early on and there was a bit of like a fortnight style dance. And, and I know that was pointed to in terms of maybe that weak will of kind of just switching off a little bit again when we're one nil up and being a bit Spurs. But the thing I, the thing I remember most about that game um, when I go and watch with my dad and watching Dembele you know we would just marvel at how the ball would always be at the other side of his body to wherever the player was and how he would keep it and he gave the ball away in that game and I remember saying to my dad that's a bit of a collector's item Dembele's given the ball away and he did it again five minutes later and, and it was almost the match where I think we started to see that this really fantastic player we'd had for so many years was was maybe just losing that edge that he'd got he would yeah. just fallen one, one level below kind of optimum and, and and maybe that's that was a difference you know because Mourinho clearly with a pretty average Man United team managed to turn us over and again yeah. a, a, another really really painful one where at 1-0 up and and probably still the favourites against Man United how often have Tottenham been favourites over Man United over the years and um, to still get it turned over it's just a, another really really painful one that yeah, well, look, let's let's uh, we're running out of time now. Your number one choice by a long, long way. Personally, I don't think it was the worst moment because I never thought we'd actually get there. Uh, <laughs> and Kevin literally nearly didn't get there. Uh, your number one vote, Tottenham's worst moment is actually it's still very raw. It's the Champions League final defeat to Liverpool. Kevin, started with you. I mean, you 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 struggled literally to get to the game anyway. Yeah, so it's the, the Thomas Cook final, wasn't it, Mike, that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, right up until 11pm on the Friday evening, there was emails going backwards and forwards. Apparently the club, the club had stepped in um, and our flight was still going to be at 4, uh, arriving in Madrid at 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, you can imagine how you feel. It's one of your biggest footballing days of your life. Mm. Um, and, you know, you're not going to be able to take the day in. Eventually, uh, I think it was just after midnight, there was another email came through and said, um, uh, you'll, you'll be departing to Stanford at 10 o'clock, so you, you'll be there for lunchtime. 
Well, we didn't. We arrived uh, on on the uh, tarmac at Madrid, and we sat there for I think it was an hour and three quarters. Oh, they let us off the plane. Nutty hell. Uh, we eventually got into the centre of Madrid. Cutting a long story short, um, I think I had a pint and a half and um, some meat dish chucked down my throat, straight to the ground. And uh, yeah, the day was spoilt before the uh, before the defeat, really. No, so Abby, your your members, did you did you go out to Madrid? Yes, I remember going via uh, via Marbella. Oh yes, we talked. Yes, about I, I this. we both. Yes, yes, we did. Yeah, yeah, we did. yeah. We both did the same trip. Yeah, it, it was quite good because I was actually going on holiday there a few days later, so I'd obviously just extended my changed my flight, extended my trip, so it made it um, quite a lot easier to just go there and then drive and get a train, however, however, which way ever I did it, I can't remember. I think I went to Seville and then bought a train from Seville to Madrid, so I was there nice and early. Remember the day, very hot. Um, not actually one of my favourite away days at all, at all, really. I think uh, there was just a lot going on. And um, I think that there was, I was, I remember being so nervous, like feeling so sick. And um, those 23 seconds after kickoff, the nerves were mental. And then obviously we gave the, the gave the penalty away. And after that, my nerves, <laughs> my nerves went because I just, I couldn't quite believe what I was what I was seeing um yeah. but the hot look the thing is with it it, it is all it's awful and um I've never watched it back nor will I probably ever watch it back um a bit too painful to, to do that I can't actually believe it's been a year almost since yeah. that since that yeah. day which is obviously it's going to be on BT Sport probably next oh, week and have goodness. to avoid that um <laughs> but I just um I just could not actually believe what I was seeing that in 23 seconds I'd gone from feeling all these like oh my god I feel like we're going to do it. It's going to be amazing to thinking, I cannot believe we've given a penalty away. It's been 23 seconds. But, um, you know, I, I think it's just, it's it's one of those things that you want to kind of forget ever happened, but the journey to it was so good. So if you think about all of the good parts that came with it, bar the final, then um, it's probably not my, probably not my worst memory, but um, definitely not a good, good day. I, I agree with you, Carl. I mean, Carl, I, I was the same. I had a, a nice leisurely time there. We did a Spurs show live event in the afternoon. Everything was great. As, as Abby said, it was boiling hot. The facilities weren't good. They ran out of beer. They ran out of water. All that was bad. But I've never seen a game where you're deflated so quickly because it was the, the penalty came down by the Spurs end. So all the Spurs fans were near it. To this day, I don't think it was a penalty uh, mm. anyway, uh, which kind of made it worse. The fact that uh, um, Salah after scoring sort of gesticulated to the Spurs fans um, anyway. And it's just, you just kind of knew because of the heat and everything, you just knew any tactics we had had gone completely out the window. Liverpool changed their tactics. They went really defensive. <laughs> A very, very good defensive team. The game, was, to me, was literally over 23 seconds. Yeah, yeah and, and and I think, you know, the one bit of crumb of comfort that gave you any hope whatsoever was that we'd gone behind early in, in previous rounds and, and and still kind of done the miracle. And, and, you know, there's still 89 minutes to get back into the game. I mean, again, talking about these omens, I ended up in an Irish bar just by the Bernabeu. I went out hoping to get a ticket, couldn't get a ticket, uh, not in a position to, 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 you know, exchange hands for thousands of pounds for a ticket. So I ended up, um, I got an Uber out to this Irish bar and the Uber driver was called Musa so I, I I did say to him uh you know there's there's another Musa who's going to lift a European Cup in Madrid tonight he, he ignored me I don't think he uh, got any clue what I was talking about uh, but, but then for, for then it, for to be Sissoko who'd who'd gone through this um you know he, he'd been the, the 
the, this this almost joke player for us at one point that, that, that the crowd would groan at to have been up pretty much our player of the season last season for it to be him of all the people and 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 I agree with what everyone's saying really I don't think it was our worst moment as Tottenham fans I think they've put us through a lot more I think it's the hope that kills you we had amazing memories of that season and uh, and and yeah I'm I'm glad it I'm glad it happened I wouldn't I wouldn't change it I wouldn't change Ajax or or any of that run um, but but again it's just one of those things where just so near and yet so far with Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, well, absolutely. That's it. I mean, you, you, the listeners, uh, I think most of us here don't think it was the worst moment, uh, but there we go. I, I think if, uh, like Kev, you struggle to get there, everyone has a fortune to be there for sort of money, money versus an actual football match, the cost of it all, uh, not to see us lift the Champions League trophy. I can see why that was the worst moment, but that was voted by you anyway. Look, thank you so much. It's been a really, really wonderful show. I hope most of you there haven't topped yourselves yet. Uh, you've actually got through this hour's show. Uh, if, if it's really made you more depressed and you're in lockdown, you're not getting on with your family, I really do apologise. Uh, but we're, as Spurs fans, we're always in it together. Uh, Abby, thank you so much for your time uh, this evening. Kev, thank you very much. Carl, thank you. Good luck with your book. Go and get the book. Be in that number. Go and get it now after you listen to the show. Thanks, everyone, and come on, you Spurs. All right. I'm so depressed now. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky. You, you, you didn't. You didn't have to witness a lot of those games. Oh, I know. So. I feel like I feel like I've lived it right now. I've just, <laughs> just adding more disappointment, more disappointment. It was so funny that Coventry game that a few weeks ago. I, I I purposely didn't want to know what the score was, so I just I just avoided it. Sat down. I, I watched it. I thought oh, I'm in for a like, I'm in for a real treat. <laughs> and then as it went on, I just thought, why why have I put this on? Why am I watching it? And uh, I couldn't quite believe it. again. We'd, um, we'd obviously lost that. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, of all of all the FA Cup fans, the ITV wasn't it? The ITV yeah. classics. Yeah. All the FA Cup fans we've been in, that was the one they showed. Ridiculous. I know. I, know, I, thought, I, know. I thought surely it'll be a good one they put on. It's like one of their first, <laughs> <laughs> one of their first segments or something. They were doing it. Oh god. Utterly shocking. Utterly shocking. Okay, guys, thank you so much. See you Thanks soon. You, Cheers. 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 See you later. Bye. 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 Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you've got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.